Good morning and welcome to Oh What a Wonderful World. Um, each week we will visit a different country all across the world to discover different cultures and discuss what make these countries unique and interesting. Um, I am your host Jane McIntosh and today we are visiting the country that gave us the heart transplant, oil from coal and the creepy crawly swimming pole vacuum. Why of course it's South Africa. As um as per usual, um I thought I'd recruit a subject matter expert. Um I'm joined today here by um Izzy. Um Hi. could you please introduce yourself quickly maybe? Um Hi, um I'm Izzy. Uh, and yeah, my mum is South African, so that's why I have any authority on the subject. Um, and I go every year for Christmas, so I promise uh, I have actually been and I do know what it's like there. <laughs> That's good. So you say your mum's South African. Do you have a lot of family over there? Yeah, so um, my mum has a pretty massive family. Um, she has, my grandma has like 11 sisters. Oh my so goodness. <laughs> we have, yeah, I have a lot of family over there, a lot more over there than I do here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we go, we go every Christmas to go and visit them and say hi. Okay. Uh, and yeah. Are they just from all over the place or is there a specific part of the country they're from or? So yeah, um, my mum was born in Durban and grew up in East London, which is in the Eastern Cape, which is where Nelson Mandela is from. Fun um, fact there. Kind of area. Um, and my, a lot of my family now kind of live in Cape Town or Joburg, mm-hmm. and my parents met in Joburg, um, which is kind of like central South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, I believe it's the capital. Forget, forgive me if I'm wrong, but so this is the weird thing about South Africa. There are actually like three capitals. Ah, okay. And yeah. um, Joburg is should be realistically should be the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of the informal capital. Um, but it's actually not one of the three. The the three oh. are Cape Town, Bloemfontein, and Pretoria. Okay. And yeah, so there's the judicial, um, the and then I can't remember what the third one is, but they all have basically different roles in why they're the capital. And I think Bloemfontein is judicial, and then like um, Pretoria is legal, and then um, what's it? Cape Town is statutory, I think, but don't quote me on that. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's just like different capitals for different things, and that's quite cool. I think yeah. like, it kind of makes a lot of sense, though, when you think about countries, because like having one place that represents the whole country is quite kind of strange confidence like I guess like when you say you're from England or or the UK they always assume it's London I feel like London isn't like that representative of the UK I don't know I feel like a lot of places are very different um but yeah yeah. um so there are 11 official languages much like (laughs) 10 capitals so I believe it's English Afrikaans are the two main ones and then you have Izzy Zulu Izzy Zoha Zosa is he Nebele, Siswati, Sepidi, Sesotho, Salaboa, oh, and then like a couple others that I will pronounce equally badly. Um, but I think I actually did try and learn the pronunciations of those. I've got them out phonetically. So <laughs> this is an improved version you got. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting because also like, I guess South African English is like quite different. You have a lot of like different words and kind of um, obviously a different accent um, but another interesting fact I found is that Afrikaans is the youngest official language in the world I thought oh that was God, quite really? cool yeah so it's like oh my God. I mean with a country kind of like South Africa where it's been like 
South Africa for, for, for quite a while now. That's quite like unusual, I guess. You kind of yeah. Official that's, oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Um, um, but another thing, I think I remember hearing this from you, and I like had to look it up, and it's about the click sounds that South African languages make. Yeah. 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 I think it's which language is it that that comes from? Is the Zosa, isn't it? Is it that, I, I I think there are a few. Okay. I, um, I don't, I'm not. I honestly am not aware of every. Um, I couldn't name every language, uh, official language in South Africa. Yeah, I'm sure. I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't expect you to. Yeah, my grandma speaks um, English. She grew up speaking German mm-hmm. actually, but she can't okay. remember it now, which is super weird. That's so um, strange. And then the, the, her third language is Kosa, which is like okay. one of the click languages. Um, yeah. It's kind of the most famous one. It's where like the most like a lot of famous Africans were Kosa, um, okay. like Miriam Makeba, who like popularized the click song. Um, yes. Well, Nelson Mandela was also Kosa, sorry, and uh, Trevor Noah as well. Uh, okay. His mom was Kosa, so um, yeah, those are they're like they're like the coolest. They're like the most famous um tribes that are still kind of um going because yeah. um, a lot of them we we kind of have lost track of and we kind of have historical artifacts that like show us that you know other groups were around but um have kind of uh, been lost in the sounds of time yeah. i think that's such a shame though i guess like with it being kind of a colony as well you kind of lost a lot of culture Absolutely. very quickly yeah. over the last sort of couple hundred years but um yeah, yeah so um, interesting you could should say talk about Miriam Makeba because she's actually one of the songs we're going to be playing today um, oh, so I am not going to attack the pronunciation of the song but it is the, what sort of the western world would call the click song um, yeah. and apparently yeah. it's a traditional song um, from that tribe um, that was sung at like weddings to bring good fortune so I guess kind of like old lang syne sort of vibes where you have that like um, traditional song that you've kind of like brought through downtime and things um, and then um, just it's translating into knock knock beetle um, and it's like about the dark beetles that have their kind of distinct knocking sound when they tap their abdomen on the ground which that was quite cool it's very pretty um, and the beetles are like kind of the good luck symbol of those tribes which is really interesting um, I thought but um, yeah so I think um we will play that song um, next. Um, so it's the the click song um, by by Miriam Makeba. In Johannesburg, there is a song that we always sing when a young girl gets married. It's called the click song by the English because they cannot say Omotwan.
Okay, so we just listened to um, the Click song by Miriam Makeba, um, and it was the one that made her an international star. Um, so the next topic I have for us um, is just a bit about kind of um, the um, the sort of landscape of South Africa, because there's like quite a lot of interesting wildlife that we have going on um, there. I think, well, I mean, when I, I've, I've been to South Africa, I went on... Um, a school trip we did like we played went to play hockey and the boys would play rugby um and it i remember the like one place i really wanted to go just before i went was um table mountain just because i it looks so cool and it's like such a yeah. kind of icon of the country i feel like like when you think south africa that's what you kind of think in your head at least that's what i thought um um so i just have a little bit about it if you maybe want to hear i don't know how much you know about it have you ever been or yeah, so I've been up um, a few times because we go whenever we go to Cape Town, which is like usually once a year. Um, so I have been a few times, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know much about the actual natural history. Like I only know the kind of serial box facts, like oh, it's the, like one of the seven natural wonders of the world and everything. Yeah. Um, but I don't actually know anything about how it was created or anything like that. Yeah, I think it it was it was it's really interesting actually. Um, I think it was it's like when you look at it though, it's only apparently it's only a table from one one view. Is yeah, that like yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. I've only ever seen it from the front, but like I think that's quite cool. Um, that you kind of kind of only like see it from one angle. It's quite special, I guess. Um, and like it looks so unusual. Um, but another like one of the cool phenomenon that I liked about it was the kind of like the cloud that you get on it, known as the, ta- like, the tablecloth. Um, yeah. It's just very, like, ethereal and, um, like, quite magical. And it's, like, it's, like, a special place. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's called, um, like, Hauricagwago? Uh, <laughs> apologies for the translation. But it's, like, it means the mountain in the sea or, like, the sea mountain. I guess that's because of its, like, proximity to, like, um, to like Cape Town and the beach around there I guess it's like very yeah. picturesque um and like obviously why it's got it's got its name it's kind of there but um one of the things I found so interesting is it's it's so old I think like it's 260 million years old so it's like older oh than God. the Andes and the Alps you have like the Rockies and the Himalayas um as well like it's, it's just this like kind of like a natural wonder like you say like one of the seven wonders of the world like it's just 
um, quite iconic. Um, yeah. And it's it's so accessible as well with the kind of like cable car they have and everything like that. Um, but I think um, one of the like things that really struck me was like it's just insane number of like wildlife species and everything you have there because I think they have more um, flora and fauna species um, on Table Mountain than we have in the whole of the UK. So it's just like, it just goes to show you that like the biodiversity is just insane out there. Um, hello? Hello? Oh yeah, you're still there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah um, so that was just, um, so yeah, there's like 150, 100, 1,500 species of plant um, and like several hundred species of daily. So it's just like one of the natural kind of, like, it's just insane um, in my view yeah. at least. Um, <laughs> But I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, with the tourism that they get around there, whether that's maybe having an impact. Because I remember when we went, it's like, it's so busy. There's hundreds of cable cars going up a year, and I think like, that's just, it. You can't have that going on year on year and then not get anything happening, I guess. And it's what due to like how it's built, that's like a real issue that kind of you need to think about. Because I remember like, I wonder if it's maybe worth like closing it for some of the year or. Um, something like that just to kind of pre prevent this like the erosion that happens but um yep uh another little bit of wildlife fact um so like poaching is quite a big issue in South Africa isn't it I think like yeah um I don't know if you've heard much about it or know much about poaching um but I think it's it really um I think like they have 80% of the world's population of rhinos um and then like a thousand rhinos are killed each year. It's just like, I don't know what you think yeah. about that. Like it's so, <laughs> it's such a shame because you have all these amazing species, but then like, obviously you kind of, with that comes like a real problem. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of my mum's friends from university actually owns a game farm. Oh yeah. Some people know as a safari park. Um, so they're, like he he talked to us a lot about um his kind of um how how they sort of solve the problem of protecting rhino and um it's really interesting to hear him talk about it because he he owns a private park so it's a private park because you do get uh -huh. national ones like Addo and Kruger and these mm -hmm. are like the really big um kind of parks owned by the state but he owns an, uh, a private one and basically they have like a 24 hour like patrol team like oh a highly God. trained like combat um yeah combat like men it, like it's it, he was talking to us about the security and it's really really intense and mm -hmm. kind of any roads around the park um are also just like highly monitored um any kind of vague like activity that's threatening um they have to kind of report immediately it's really really difficult to keep rhino safe mm -hmm. um because the horn is worth like someone put it quite well but they were like when you have to put yourself in the mind of these poachers these are people who do not have very much money at all mm -hmm. and rhino horn is worth more than gold mm -hmm. so you just have to imagine like a huge horn of just solid gold um and that's how much it's worth yeah um, which is you know you can understand why these people are kind of forced mm -hmm. into these situations yeah. but um 
it means that uh, one of the solutions that people have been talking about, which is a really controversial one, is actually farming rhino um, and selling horn. Because some people are saying, like, why oh. would you feed a market that is so corrupt? But, um, but I guess that if you, of... like, have that much going on in the market, then, like, it's less likely to kind of be as valuable as well. Exactly, exactly. So if you, as soon as you kind of, yeah, flood the market, um you can like it just decreases the price mm-hmm. and all of the money that's made off of selling them can go back into rhino conservation mm-hmm. um so yeah, and also like bringing it to the surface as well is it kind of like like if you if you legalize selling them um these horns then it, it means that like there's not that aspect of like it's impossible to get them like it's it's accessible kind of but i think like yeah. you can kind of see why it's very con- controversial i guess you kind of yeah, have that absolutely. like animal cruelty aspect i guess but I, I don't know how i don't know if there's kind of like if rhinos need their horns i'm not really very clued up on that but yeah but yes, that's insane they do and they don't it fights for fighting so a, oh, okay. lot of, a lot of the time so actually and this is another like kind of controversial um practice where uh, actually my mom's friend has been like he didn't want to he was really anti it but they have started um, kind of sawing off their rhino's horns at like a safe level mm-hmm. uh, usually they just shoot the rhino so that they can get at it and um, they cut it down like kind of past where it starts to hurt the rhino oh. uh, but they're basically just fingernails for rhinos um, kind of literally because we use our fingernails to like scratch things mm-hmm. um, for them it's like it's just a weapon mm-hmm. um, and it's made of the same thing as fingernails which is crazy Um and so sawing it off doesn't hurt them at all as long as it's at the right point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're only really used for fighting. So unless you have, um, w- when it kind of comes to mating season, basically the males, rather than goring each other with their um, horns, will just kind of fight with these stumps instead. So that's all they're for. So they're not vital to their survival, but they're also... Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's hard because you don't really want to interfere too much with the kind of the natural world, but um, yeah. sometimes needs must, you know? It's so, so hard to know, like, when you're interfering as well, because, like, I know that shark cave diving is also popular in South Africa, and I feel oh, like that's, yeah. like, it's such a, like, big problem that they have, because, like, you're, you yeah. have to feed the sharks to get them to come closer, and then, like, these sharks know, and then, like, I think, like, unprovoked shark attacks have been increasing, but then, like, that might be to do with the fact that there's more people in the water and like more like um like water sports are more popular so like you kind of have that like aspect where you don't really know what's happening um like there's not like a direct cause and effect um I think like it's so hard like with when you're dealing with animals to know like what the right point is and like what's acceptable and what's not because you kind of don't know what effect you'll have and like kind of I guess the the default is do nothing because then like you can't (laughs) yeah yeah you can't no, my, yeah. mm-hmm. my mom's friend was actually uh, involved in this, like he, he was attacked by a shark um, and lost one of his legs and oh my goodness. Um, he, he fully blames um, cave diving, he's like I have swum in the sea in Cape Town my whole life, like I've swum in it every day for the last like 30 years um, and it's only recently that I've seen so many. So there's like a there's a flag system where they mm-hmm. basically put um, the flags on alert. Mm-hmm. So that like a red is like sharks being spotted recently. White is we can see a shark in the water. Oh my god, please get out. Um, black is you know 
murky waters we can't really see what's going on and then green is like go for it like we can't see a shark everything's fine and um he he didn't swim like he swam on a black flag where it was like murky waters Mm -hmm. um so they couldn't see anything and he was saying like it's because of like chumming the water and shark cave diving um, that they come so much like closer now and they actively mm. seek contact with humans because they recognize the figures um mm. so whether or not whether or not it's actually to eat them they it, it, it's quite complicated and you know shark behavioral um experts are saying that um even if it's not to eat like they are actively seeking more contact with humans because of shark cave mm. diving um so yeah like it's it's um I mean, it's it's a it's a part of the tourist industry um, that's actually like kind of dark. And I I would suggest like if anyone did want to go and see sharks, there are still boats that will take you out and see them like from the surface, and they'll they'll drive you out. Um, it's just that the cage diving is like when they actually have to like chum the water is what's mm. really bad yeah. um, to make them come close to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think yeah, you're 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 completely right. I think there are much like like safer for everyone and safer for the sharks way to do this. Yeah. Much more like environmentally healthy as well, I guess. Because like if you're feeding, it's like that thing where it's like you you, you feed the ducks and then the ducks like don't know how to hunt for themselves anymore. Like over time, like that's gonna happen to yeah, sharks, absolutely. I guess. You kind of like have that aspect. Um, going back to Table Mountain quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. I found out um, how you were asking how it was um, formed, right? Yeah, so um, right, yeah. ancient volcanic eruption. Um, so it's basalt, um, and it it wow. was it flowed down, and basically that's like what they think was likely to happen. Um, I had to just yeah. look that up quickly because I didn't quite know. But um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yep. Um, so we're now gonna listen to um a song. Um called Jerusalem. Um, it's like quite a popular song like all across the world. Um, it's like the most Shazam song in history. Um, and it's by Nosembo Zikodo, Zikode even. Um, and it's been streamed like 55 t- million times on uh, Spotify. So it's like oh it's like gosh. this really popular song. Um, I think it was kind of popularized through like TikTok and things, but um, uh, yeah. I kind of came across it. Um, and like, I think the, the woman like the, the um, sings in this song was like quite um quite um an interest like she had quite interesting views she was like oh like I wasn't focusing on being Beyonce I was I was focusing on being me and like I think she's very like into her body positivity um and like promoting that which I think is really interesting um and like it's it's a religious song so it's had like quite far reach in terms of like um lots of um like religious figures of like said like oh it's quite a cool song it's like nice to hear um religious music in a modern context because I feel like a lot of the time you just you, we've lost that kind of aspect of like religion and music which is good and bad yeah. like it's kind of like been secularized but um there's like different reasons for that um but yeah um and it was actually so popular that um like it's quite a recent song and like the president um of South Africa like was like oh for for World Heritage Day, um, <laughs> and the country's yeah. progress against coronavirus, like take up the dance challenge for like Jerusalem, and it was like 
I think that's quite an interesting stance to take. Um, I'm not really uh, sure what to think about that, but like, I guess like it's quite a love song, but I'm not really sure how that relates to national heritage. But <laughs> anyway, um, I'll play that quickly um, now. So that was Jerusalem. Um, when I went to South Africa, I tried like what I would consider an interesting food. Um, it was like ostrich burgers. 
Um, and I don't yeah, know if you have you yeah. ever. I know you're vegetarian, but I was wondering if you I don't know any. Now, but I have had them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of them? Well, I like when I when I did eat meat. Like I loved meat. Um, and it's like ugh, meat in South Africa is like I mean, vegetarian being vegetarian isn't a thing. Yeah, like, vegetables is chicken. Um, <laughs> so ostrich is a really popular meat. Like um, ostrich farmers have been around for ages, and that's partly for the eggs because mm-hmm. the shells are quite um desirable, and also like the you can basically feed a whole family off of one egg. Um, oh my goodness! <laughs> because they're huge. Um, and yeah, so an ostrich feather is also like really useful, but yeah. the ostrich meat itself is like basically like a really healthy, like it kind of, it tastes like red meat, but it's kind yeah. of like healthy, like chicken. It kind of reminded um, me of like, you know, like, um, like turkey burgers, like that sort of vibe where it's like healthier yeah. alternatives to red meat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, anyway, it was really cool. Um, like kind of I guess like that's something you wouldn't really think of and like it didn't really taste like it tastes kind of gamey um to me um but yeah I think also you have like fries I think like you're talking about like the kind of huge meaty barbecues that you get in South Africa and like have you ever been to one is it like is it is, is it like interesting to kind of see what they cook and things or yeah so my like whenever we go for, like, on Christmas, we'll have a braai. Mm-hmm. Um, like, on Christmas Eve, we'll do, like, a more kind of, what looks more like a, like, meal, like, roast meal. Mm-hmm. But um, on actual Christmas Day, like, we'll have, like, a full braai. And every time you have, like, a family gathering, like, I mean, usually braais are, like, minimum 30 plus. So oh my goodness. you just get, like, a lot, a lot of people kind of, around these bars so it does make sense at that point to like the amount the sheer amount of meat on these barbecues like it's crazy oh yeah like bry is barbecue for anyone that doesn't know like the mm-hmm. word's kind of gotten a bit more international in the past few years so usually people know what i'm talking about um but yeah definitely like every time i go like it's, it's basically the way that families kind of meet it's the equivalent of a sunday roast here i think basically mm-hmm. That's so cool. I feel like that's like such an interesting like cultural difference. I guess like because like barbecues are like very much like a summer thing for us. But I guess like do you have them year round or is it like kind of like? I mean, pretty much, yeah. Like there's yeah, there's not really like a season that you wouldn't like dry. Like just because it's also like hot most of the time in Africa. Like mm-hmm. my grandma will complain to me when it gets to the, and I'll be like okay, I, like, really have no sympathy for you because it's, it's like, summer here at yeah. 17 degrees. Yeah. So, great. Um, but, yeah, so, especially because, like, winter here is South Africa, like, it's South Africa's summer because mm-hmm. um, it's obviously the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Ryan, like, is an all-year-round thing um, for sure. Um, another thing, like, I think like cured meats as well are like quite big there. You have like biltong, which is like cured meat, kind of like beef jerky sort of thing. Um, But it can also be made from springbok, which I thought was quite cool. You have like, because springbok are like kind of antelope-y like animals, aren't they? I have you ever have you ever seen one before? As are they like cool? So I've been um, I've been really really lucky to kind of see a lot of like South Wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum's like very interested in 
what if you call it the bush, like it's basically like the countryside in South Africa, like the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've always like gone to the bush to kind of like look at, um, be able to like see animals and um, mm-hmm. Springbok. Um, are kind of like weeds. They're they're everywhere, especially in Springbok. <laughs> like they just breed like rabbits. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was like a kind of more Afrikaans one. 
because um, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a variety because like pop and sus is a lot more tougher and then um you get something like baborty which is like kind of cake malay um because there's all kinds this is a thing that people don't really know like people think it's just kind of dutch and like southern african influences in south africa but there's also like a massive um indonesian community that have been there for hundreds of years who now kind of identify as a cake malay the cake mm-hmm. malaysian um and also indian like the largest population of people living outside of india um i think are in durban um well, there you so go that's, that's that's another interesting fact well it's like the highest density i'm sure like mm-hmm. a geographer will be like actually the fact is but essentially there's a lot of like different cultures that um have influenced kind of like modern south african culture at the moment no i think that's so true i think it is a very international place um and you do get like a lot of variety in the culture um and it's just, it's like I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite ignorant to a lot of it. I think, like, I've not really experienced much, but I think it's, it's so interesting hearing, like, from someone that maybe knows a bit more about it. Um, I think, like, I mean, also, like, we're not really, like, taught about it. It's not, like, you know, I people always are like, oh, I wish I knew more, and it's, like, one of those things that I think is so sad mm-hmm. that um, we don't do more of in, like, geography mm-hmm. or history. Um, yeah. I think it would just make it so much more interesting. Well, I think that's so true as well of like subjects like apartheid and things like that. Like I feel like mm-hmm. you, it's such a key historical um, and like current moment as well. I guess like you kind yeah. of that you you need to know about and like I I would say I'm very like unknowledgeable about this. Um, but then I I've never had the like privilege of being taught about it, and I think that like it's it's something that I need to like work on. But um. I think that also, like, in general, we should be more, like, conscious of this sort of um, subject because it's quite taboo still to talk about. Um, yeah. And, like, it's it's hard to know when is appropriate and, um, like, how to kind of ask about it, I guess, even. Yeah, um, I think the fact that it was so recent, like, our parents will probably... I mean, obviously, my mum fought during apartheid, so mm-hmm. she, she remembers in a very, like, emotional and very real and very kind of like I mean yeah like she she kind of was there for everything she grew up under the education system she was there like she helped kind of break the system down Mm -hmm. so she 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 gave me a really good kind of run through of it Mm -hmm. like before I could kind of read she would tell me like she I I love she simplified it in this way she said um um Nelson Mandela saw these people putting black children and white children in different schools and he said this is wrong and that um and then he changed it and that like was my first kind of introduction to mm-hmm. um kind of racial segregation in any way but my mum kind of started teaching that to me as like early as I could remember mm-hmm. um but so, that's so important as well and I'm sure that's like yeah. your current views as well and like how you kind of look at the world and like maybe in a more critical view I guess yeah it's also weird kind of growing up like I kind of knew in the back of my mind as a child like the realities of apartheid Mm -hmm. and like I kind of knew that it had happened and I had read the kids guys love long walk to freedom which is a real thing I really Mm -hmm. recommend Mm -hmm. um but as I kind of have grown up like realizing how much I didn't really see before because I was a child um Mm -hmm. and I wasn't really paying attention because you know and I I can't blame myself for that like I was a little baby child um 
but yeah, like as I've grown up, like noticing more and more um, the kind of how South Africa still struggles with um, race relations at the moment. Um, and yeah, I was just going to say, like our parents probably all remember like the boycotts of you know South African products. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum will joke about the fact that, like, when she was taken to the canning factory as a school trip, like, they would print, like, made in Brazil on the cans so that they could avoid, like, the export boycotts. And, like, no that was just something that was, like, a part of her life. Like, growing up, that was just something that, like, her friend's parents did when they were, like, you know, working in a canning factory. They would, like, have to put, like, print, like print made in Brazil or, you know, Kenya even, like other African countries too. Um, so yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's like that very real aspect of it, which is why I think it's quite tough to talk about um, because it feels so recent, it feels so real. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's living memory still. It's very like, it's and it's it's still, I mean, racial segregation, well, racial um, uh, injustice in general. Injustice in general is, is, yeah, like you say, it's just, it's so common these days. I mean, the it's it's almost scary that you think that like an experience like that for the world would kind of change that in a lot more ways than it has. I mean, there's no doubt it has, but I yeah. think that like still a long way to go in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. That's the whole point of you know, um, to anyone who hasn't read Law to Freedom, like the the last the last lines are you know like we've come a long way but there's you know a long way to go and many more mm-hmm. hills to climb yeah. and you know he meant that when he said it like you know legally um the you know rights are a lot better in south africa but there's in terms like of culturally and yeah. kind of social Socially, perceptions mm-hmm. it's still a really really long way to go it's it's um yeah it's a very it's a very um tense place and mm-hmm. it, i think it will be for the rest mm-hmm. of my life at least yeah well, thank you very much for talking about that. Um, I know it's quite like a difficult subject to talk about in a lot of ways, um, but I think that it's it's quite important that you do talk about yeah. it. Um, so thank yeah. you very much for that and like yeah, telling us a bit you. about your mum's experience as well. It's very um, personal, I know. Um, so a bit of a change in speed. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to listen to some Troy Sivan. <laughs> um, so he was... He's an Australian, um, he's, he's South African born, but he lives in Australia. Um, and I thought he's, he's such a like, popular um, cultural icon that it would be kind of fitting to just include a bit of his um, music. So we're going to listen to Strawberries and Cigarettes. Talk me fate, 
said it'd all be worth the wait. Like that night in the back of the cab, when your fingers walked in my head. Next day, nothing on my phone, but I can still smell all my clothes. I was hoping that things would change, but we went right back to your game. Daydreams, sugar and smoke rings up in a full strawberries and cigarettes always taste like you had on me. So that was um, Strawberries and Cigarettes by Troye Sivan. Um, so you might not have known that Troye Sivan is originally South African, so I thought it might be quite interesting um, to play a bit of a game because I think there's like a lot of people that are very famous that you might not know are South African. So what I'm going to yeah. do is I'll list a name of a celebrity and I want you to guess whether they're South African or not. There's quite a long okay. list, so I think... I think Okay, okay. I feel like there's some you'll probably know and some that you might find a bit harder. Um, yeah. So we'll start off uh, with Roger Federer. He is South African. Um, yes. <laughs> on like, his parents' side. All of his parents are definitely South African. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Um. Um, <laughs> I mean, famous tennis player, I feel like... You kind of, I mean, I guess like it's maybe a bit more known that he's South African, but you get that. Yeah. Um, you have Sasha uh, Pietras. Um, she's like Alison De Laurentiis in Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I, I don't know. I, I've never watched Pretty Little Liars. Um, just because I went with Patrick on the last one, I'm going to say no here. She is South African. Um, She was she was born in uh, Johannesburg in 1996, um, but she moved she moved when she was five. So I feel like it's like she's not um, she's not lived there in a long time. But um, she like her her family. um, I think she has family there still. So that's quite cool. Um, Yeah. Well, who else do we have? Um, We have um, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, if he is South African, I'm going to be shocked. 
No, I'm afraid he's not. I think everyone, uh, everyone would want him to be like their own, you know, <laughs> kind of yeah, a bit of a yeah. heartthrob. Um, right, so we have next one, J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, I know that he is. Um, you do? He grew, up, he grew up in Bloomfontein. Yeah, you're so right, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it completely shocked me, actually. I was, How do you know that he's, do you just like something you know, I guess, or... Yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, obviously, like, English learnt, I feel like I've got to know who Tolkien is. Yeah. And, um, also, my mum, and this is actually why, um, my mum used to go, um, on her holidays to this place called Hobbiton. Oh my goodness. Um, which is actually where he based a lot of the scenery of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit on. Um, it's called Hogsback, Hobbiton on Hogsback. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> I think, like, I mean, you know much more about him than I are, but I, I do even. But, like, I don't know. I think I always just kind of had this perception that, like, he was British. I don't know why. I think it was, like, a very, like, I guess, like, reading The Hobbit and things. Like, yeah. I just kind of had yeah, that in my yeah, head. He went to school in Birmingham. Like, yeah. He went to school in, I mean, he started off in Bloemfontein, and then he went to King Edward's school in Birmingham. Oh, well, so. there you go. I guess yeah. a little bit then. <laughs> um, the next one is... Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Um, I haven't heard that he's South African, so I'm gonna go with no. But well, he he kind of is. His his father okay. was South African, so he's he's half South African. Um, but his his dad was like um uh, an entrepreneur, an animal rights activist, born in South Africa. Um, oh, cool. So I feel like that's quite an unknown fact about him. Um, and yeah, yeah I mean he he lived in um Cape Town. Um, but he was born in England, so I guess like it's kind of a tenuous link. But I think you can you can classify yeah, him he, as South African. Um, next one, uh, we have Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna say he is just because I hope that he is again. He's not again. He's not. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like you've done quite well though. I think you there's like a couple that I definitely wouldn't have got that you've got. Um, okay, alright, I'm proud though. Okay. Um next one, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence? Oh my gosh. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go with no. Yeah, no, good one. I feel like okay. yeah. That's that's one in your corner there. Um yeah. <laughs> Madeline okay. Petch. So she's like the one that played the ginger one in uh, Riverdale. I think that's so true of so many famous people. Like you kind of know roughly who they are, but not yeah, really. Yeah, I feel like oh yeah, I've seen you, but I, I haven't seen you. You've seen uh, you, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with yes, just because Petch seems like a South African name. Hey, well, you were quite right. I think yeah, she she split half her time between America and South Africa when she was growing oh, up. Cool. Um, so yeah, born and bred, I guess. Um, let's wow. have a look. Um, but yeah, so that's the list. I hope you kind of like, I feel like that's quite 
interesting you know you have like quite a variety of people I I don't know I think it's like quite a like culturally like rich place and like it's you have like lots of interesting things about South Africa um so the last song we're gonna play um is a bit of electronic music I thought I'd kind of try and cover all the bases um but so this is in the charts at the moment um and it's Goldfish um is like the band um or it's not a band it's an electronic duel um and they were from South Africa um and it was Dominic Peters and David Poole um and like uh-huh. they're kind of like quite um they're quite popular in South Africa um and like I can see why a lot of their music would be popular um but this song is like uh-huh. um they said it was like about um kind of um in a time where like everything's locked down um they're gonna like um, they want to like have like an uplifting song, which I think is quite a ni- nice message, um, especially yeah. in like this time. Um, and it's called like Forever Free. Very dramatic name, I know, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, there we go. None of us she will never touch the ground take the leap it's now or never come with me just cut that tether we will always be together so why don't we go somewhere made of endless possibilities we don't have to Thank you. 
Okie dokie. So that was our final song. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, and thank you very much, Izzy, for um, coming along. Do you have any like closing remarks or anything I might have missed out? Um, I know there's a lot I've missed out, but like anything you want to say on any of the topics, you know? <laughs> um, obviously, just um, just to tell people, like, go visit. It's a bit far away. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful country. Um, and, yeah, so anyone who is even thinking about visiting, please, please go. It's amazing. Oh, well, that's lovely. And I will definitely consider visiting. Um, so... Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be on again at the same time um, next Wednesday. Um, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>